We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hi, everybody. It is Kirk Anderson and Josh Bowe. We're coming to you late, late Saturday night after an epic Mavs win, 136-132 to over the Milwaukee Bucks. Josh, how are you? I'm good. I am just got a beer, and I am fired up. I'm doing good. Also, I'm happy. I'm very happy. I'm so happy right now. I've never know. been happier. Like that was that the oh God. I mean, 19 assists, which is a career high for Luka Doncic. 36-ish points. Yeah, 36 points and 14 rebounds. We might not ever see a basketball game played like that again in our lives. It's that <laughs> rare of a performance. He almost had another 30 and 20 game. Uh, and he should have, frankly, yeah, because the Mavericks, the Mavericks shot a whopping 32% from three, 17 of 53. And Luca just was serving up dimes on a platter. He could have had 30 assists tonight, and that is not an exaggeration. And and it's one of those games where you think that it might happen one day in his career. Kirk, 19 assists, two turnovers. <laughs> one game. That's like, oh, that's a pretty good like three-game homestand for, for one of your guards. No, that's that's one game. I just he has, I'm going to check his game log. 
because he has so far in Orlando through four games, he has 16 plus eight. He has 24 turnovers prior to tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Two. <laughs> against the best defense in the league. Um, against a team that also has a lot of, you know, big rangy athletic guys that you think they could stop him. But uh, I don't want to get, I mean, I don't even know. I mean, I don't even know. What a, I think the thing that had me almost have like 85 heart attacks during this game is that from the fourth quarter to overtime, I swear the narrative of the Mavericks, like the narrative you were going to take from this game switched like 45 times. Yeah. It was, it was Luke is not getting any help to Luke is getting help. Look how good they look when Luke is getting help. And then like, as you could snap your fingers and it went right back to, Oh man, Luca's is not getting any help. And then it ends with Luca getting help and then Luca being clutch. It was just well, what a roller coaster of a game. Let's really, you know, let's, let's just kind of walk through the game in, in a general sense. So in the first quarter, the Mavericks got ahead early and looked great. Luca had five points and five assists in like the opening four minutes of the game. And that sort of set the tone for how he would play throughout the remainder of the night. And it was one of those games where he was spot on with where his passes landed. And for, you know, it's been a long time since I've really played a competitive game, but I remember what it's like to have like the ball go through the net. Like that's the closest thing it can be for me. And so there's just like, There are just these moments in athletes' lives where, like, things are where they're on fire. And Luca came out early, looking good with his passes. And that's one of these things we haven't talked about enough from year one to year two. Where his placement of passes are, he's figured out where his teammates like the ball. So there's very little wasted motion. Uh, you know, working backwards from that ridiculous 19th assist to Maxi Kleba. I mean, he threw a, a a bounce pass between the legs that ended up where Maxi simply had to continue his running motion, lift his arms, get fouled, and put the ball in. And there are very few players who can do that in the world. And he was doing it all night long for 53 minutes of action or however many minutes he played. Like, I just – I've never seen him pass like that, frankly. Like, I, I've seen him deliver passes – where it's like, oh gosh, what was that? But from start to finish, he was outrageous. Yeah, he had, I really loved his demeanor as soon as the game started. Um, I think I liked all of them. Like this was a night and day in terms of like the stuff that's not on the box score, which I know people can roll their eyes, but in terms of like just their their level of engagement, um, Rick likes to say what, like how much force they play with, like, if you go from some of the losses, the Clipper game, the Phoenix game, hell, even some of the Kings game, like it was just a night and day, like in terms of playing with energy, playing with force, all the stuff Rick likes to say. It was just a different demeanor from from Luca, and I, you know, when it comes from Luca, it filters. You know, I feel like it filters down. Like when Luca was playing incredible defense in the overtime in the Kings win. I felt like that has to galvanize the rest of the guys on the floor to, to match him. And that's what being a leader is. And he's 21 years old. And like, I just can't properly articulate how wonderful this game was just from, from top to bottom. Um, well, we're, 
we're going to be all over the place tonight because yeah. you know you're like you're an honest to god journalist i'm not you should probably be on the zoom call like listening to carlisle luca and some of these guys but there's enough mavs media members to where we're gonna gonna get the gist of this so you and i are just gonna enjoy like talking about this game as fans one of the things that i I don't know if this is true, and I have no idea how to back this up, but I felt like there was way more off-ball movement when Luca had finally put his head down. And there yes. were a number of at-the-rim or, like, within five feet assists. Okay, so you saw that too, then, yes, right? Yes, I mean, can we get this DeLon right forever? Like, <laughs> where was this, like just a totally different player. And I know like you're probably looking at his box score and you're like, Josh, what do you mean? 19 points, uh, 19 minutes, six points minus nine. And yeah, like maybe he didn't carry it through the whole game, but like that first half, I think almost most of his buckets, he had like two buckets, I think at least from cutting in the rim when Luca drew attention. And it wasn't just four guys watching Luca do what he can do. It was five guys playing off of each other in a way that, when it works, man, it it really freaking works. Yeah, yeah, and and I, it's really you know, talking about this game by the numbers is going to be kind of curious because Dallas did they did enough at the right times against a team that you know the Bucks the Bucks want to win because they're competitive as all get out, which is what makes them like championship contenders. But, you know, looking at some of their minutes, like Giannis only played 33 minutes, including overtime. They had some kind of – their coach is really particular about how they distribute minutes, which I think worked against them in very specific ways. You know, the Mavericks kind of gave away the farm in a couple of instances, but in the end they really, really, really came through. And this is one of these games where when you look past the the three headliners – which were Luka Doncic, Chris Stapps, Porzingis, and Dorian Finney-Smith, the latter of two we'll get to in a minute. The rest of the Mavericks were a lot of warmed over butt in a real, real way. Trey Burke was bad from the field. Tim Hardaway Jr. has just lost his shot, even though he hit a huge yeah. he hit a huge three in overtime. So we got to give him some credit there. But yeah, that was I mean that it was a tie game. He misses that shot, and butterfly effect could be mm-hmm. insane mm-hmm. if he doesn't make that shot. Seth Curry was also terrible. He started out really great in that first performance in the scrimmages, and has since then sort of like regressed in a way that makes me wonder if like a breakout game is coming for him down the line. But the Mavericks just had kind of an odd 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 performance from you know we've talked the previous three game to a a number of of times since they've started back up about how they have to have enough role players hit shots and that to me tonight that didn't really happen instead what happened was Luca was amazing Dorian Finney-Smith was otherworldly and KP was just good enough and the Mavericks escaped with a win but what's crazy to me is that they did it against a team who I would pick to win the NBA finals. <laughs> right. Uh, and let's, and like, it was so the, the, like the entire dichotomy of the Mavericks season, it was just all laid out in the fourth, like fourth quarter overtime, like Maxi hits a big three to, to give them a lead. And then like a couple minutes, more minutes later, you know, Milwaukee's charging back and he misses an open, like a wide open three and Milwaukee gets it to win two. And it was just like, the way that the, they were doing like windshield wipers between good Mavs, bad Mavs from the mm-hmm. fourth quarter to overtime was just outrageous in terms of 
Luca was steady throughout, but the role players, it was just like dips and valleys and peaks. Uh, it was it was unbelievable. And to think that of out of all of that, that Finney Smith, you know, is the one that hits six three pointers, which Lord Almighty, let's see, let's see if that ever happens again. No disrespect to, to Dorian, but like I'm so glad they didn't waste his game because Me too. I know I know that me, you know, you you've had your thoughts on him, and I've had to kind of talk you off the ledge, even though I've been a little critical, just in terms of the shooting and and, and things like that. But uh, it's just it's so great when one of these guys gives one of these performances, and it's not in vain. I feel well, like I don't, it, can, it can really help. I don't want to pivot from Luca just yet. And yeah, let's go. There's back a lot about his game tonight that it's it's almost going to be hard to discuss because there was just so much that was going on. The fact that he ended up with 14 rebounds is kind of incredible to me because I think he might have had five or fewer at halftime. It was really one of these, and you know, sometimes the ball just comes to you, but he pursues boards. That was really interesting. He only had 10 free throw attempts, which as frequently as he drove was not enough uh, compared to the way that the Bucs were getting, you know, the the Mavericks shot 25 free throws, the Bucs shot 34, uh, Giannis shot 14 to Lucas 10, which isn't too 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 different but the the bucks use Giannis in a really different way in a way honestly i would like to see the mavericks use luca whenever things are more you know whenever things get more difficult for him and you know kind of as a role man you and i've talked about that from time to time but luca i thought could have gone to the line for 20 times like he was yep. just getting hit he got foul shots on shots that he didn't deserve and then he got then he didn't right. get called so it was like really weird. I don't know how yeah, to that, deal with that. It was almost like they had to give him the makeups uh, after they blew it early, you know, on, on the legit ones. It was very odd. Um, but Somehow Luca still shot nine three-pointers, which won at the end, which was when they were trying to burn clock, which was bad. But I just, in my brain, I'm sitting here watching him play, thinking that he is making a much more concerted effort to get to the basket while in the bubble. I think he is. I think especially what from the Rockets game, mm-hmm. uh, since the Rockets game, it has been demonstrably, you know, he was one of nine. And then since then three against Phoenix, six against the Kings, 13 against the Clippers, but he hit six of them. So he had incentive to shoot more because he was actually hitting. And then, you know, nine again, like you said, it's weird. It's not like the numbers don't seem wildly different but just the through the course of the game it, it it does feel like that and you know what kirk it might be because hold on let me pull this up how many shots did the maverick shoot i think the reason why you think that is because the maverick shot 115 damn shots today <laughs> and so for him for only nine of those to be luke at three-pointers that feels like a win yeah. so that's probably where it comes from they, they yeah. shot a lot of shots tonight it was a Man, wild ass game more attempts than the bucks that's crazy yeah, they had 11 offensive rebounds, and when you only have two turnovers, you get more opportunities. I mean, there's just yeah. a lot there. And and there were there's there there have been instances since he's been in the bubble, and I I maybe I'm just noticing it more because there's just been such a gap between March and now. But there were a couple of plays. I remember one specifically from the left wing. I'm gonna have to get it and maybe plug it in the podcast post where he it wasn't a Euro step, but he uses his angle. And then his body strength to dive across the lane after getting the defender out of position just enough and to be able to finesse it up through through the like on the right side of the rim without getting blocked. 
the sort of things that he does with his strength and his yes. balance are really, really fascinating to watch because I don't know. We don't talk about strength and balance enough. We talk about like raw athleticism in the NBA and the things he does when he's in motion are really mesmerizing. Yeah. I think I've been saying this for a while, his improvement uh, in the, his fit for his finishing in the restricted area and then in the paint outside of the restricted area has so much to do with a lot of, you know, his MVP level season. It is outrageous. The numbers that he is putting up near the basket and in the paint. Uh, like he is gone, like he has gone from last season where it was like, okay, this is like a good start for him. Hopefully he can over the years continue to get better as his body matures and as he matures as a player. And then all of a sudden now nah, he just went straight from rookie year to that to year two. He is LeBron in the paint. Like it is, it is such an absurd transformation uh, that is feels unprecedented, especially for someone like him. You know, he is not a Giannis. He is not, he is not a 6'10", 7'11", wingspan or what have you, you know, being able to right. jump from the free throw line. Like his ability to finish in the paint at the rim, I think has, is the biggest thing for me. Like, uh, yeah, the passing um, and just all the other, you know, improvements he's made to his game. But like, I feel like that, ability for him has kind of trickled down to the rest of his game and has really opened things up for him because he's he just feels like it feels like an automatic bucket like in the same way when Dirk would kind of get the ball 18 feet out and face up and jab step and be like all right that's that's money like Luca going into the paint driving toward the basket like it's almost automatic whether you know he gets to the foul line or whether he you know he makes a shot it's it's absurd Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. I, I, I'm so glad that I stayed up late to watch this game. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to watch all these games just because it it's in our interest. We like doing this despite how sometimes we seem like we don't, but when the Mavericks, you know, are, are performing within the range of what we know is possible with them. This is why they're so much fun to watch. Like, this is just. Oh. And how about him making the two free throws to tie the game at the end? And they were swished, like, not no doubters. He swished both of them. Like that. Was, I thought that his, was his, his free throws tonight, he's 9 of 10 from the line, outstanding. Just a really big performance. I'm delighted to to have watched the entire thing. I think we need to pivot now to talking about the second most important player tonight, who was the recipient of six of Luca's 19 assists in Dorian Finney-Smith. Can can you speak to a little to what you saw with him? Because I feel the fact that he had 27, 11, and five, <laughs> he had five assists of his own is just yes. outstanding. Um, I think I've read a lot from our friend Matt Moore and other people that Milwaukee's defense, while great, is a little odd in that they will give up a lot of three-point attempts. Um, and I think going into this game, if you're the Mavericks, you understand 
that's how Milwaukee likes to play. And then they're probably doubly looking at it like, well, we don't want Luka and KP to beat us when you look at the Mavericks shooting numbers in the bubble. So you have to figure going into this game, the Mavericks knew that guys like Finney Smith, Hardaway, Kleba, Jackson, whoever, Burke, they were all going to get really quality looks from three if the Mavericks, you know, played with good intent, which they did. And they got the threes. And so to see Finney Smith kind of pay that off and to capitalize on that uh, was just outstanding because, you know, the Bucks they really were throwing, you know, at least two to three at Luka anytime he got near the free throw line for a lot of the night. And to be, to be frank, like if you are the Bucks coaching staff, like you, if they, you told them before the game, Hey, Finney Smith is going to shoot 12 threes. You would probably take that, right? Like mm-hmm. a lot of opposing teams would probably say, okay, that's a victory. Cause that's, that's more looks that aren't Luca at the rim. That's not KP. Uh, that's not Hardaway Jr. Like, let's let him, even though Finney Smith has had a good season, you know, they would take that. So for him to to kind of pay that off was absolutely tremendous. But besides the threes, which is just a matter of him hitting his open shots, I think the more important thing was, one, his defense, I think, was marketably improved compared to the game against the Clippers. Uh, Giannis is obviously just an unfair matchup for anyone. And, you know, we talked about Finney Smith kind of having to be on an island in terms of uh, covering all the Mavericks defensive warts because he is sometimes the lone perimeter defender on on the floor. I thought his effort against Giannis was tremendous. Uh, Giannis got the better of him, you know, a couple times, multiple times. But in terms of what Finney Smith could do, I think he did everything he could and then some. He had a block on Giannis on the weak side. Uh, I can't remember if it was the first half or second half, but it was a really good play. He stood his ground very well. Um and, you know, Giannis got to the foul line a couple times because of that. But I just liked his tenacity in terms of attacking that matchup and being smart about it. And I think allowing Giannis to kind of have free roam uh, outside the three-point line was smart. Obviously, he's not a good three-point shooter. But I think the way that can be like a double-edged sword because you're almost like inviting, giving a runway to the player to 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 kind of get ahead of steam and get to the rim. And I think the Mavs, for as much as best as they can with the roster they have, did a good job of making sure that Giannis had space to shoot threes, but also when he geared up and went to the rim, they had a body in front of him. Um, and obviously, you know, it can't, he, Giannis had 34 points, 14 free throw attempts, but uh, I, I thought that that effort level was tremendous. And then, you know, the rebounds and the assists, I think Finney Smith had a lot of really quality looks uh, in terms of making the extra pass. I believe the Hardaway Jr. three in overtime that broke the tie came when Finney Smith had a pretty decent look and then he shoveled it off to Hardaway Jr. for a better look. And that's something he's had his entire time in Dallas. Uh, I remember writing back when, you know, Harrison Barnes and Wes Matthews were on the team about how Wes and Barnes are kind of black holes and you don't need to go through that, but, you know, they just don't pass a lot. And when I made those points, I would always bring up Finney Smith's numbers in terms of how willing of a passer he is and just – having guys that are totally comfortable with moving the ball onto where it needs to go is so crucial to an offense. Like there, we can rant and rave about the ability of the Mavericks role players to create offense and hit shots when, when things are bad. But the fact that they don't have any true black holes in the lineup, you know, maybe we can argue some, but they've got such a great roster of guys that are willing to make the extra pass. Sometimes they make too many extra passes. We saw that a couple of times, but you'd rather have that than the other thing around with guys with tunnel vision and, and hoisting up bad shots. So just all around, I, I loved everything that, that Finney Smith uh, brought tonight. It was tremendous. 
I did too. I'm I'm still I, – I was watching tonight, and watching what they expected him to do against Brooke Lopez really frustrated me. Part yeah, of why but... Lopez got going was twofold. First, KP played him soft, which was stupid. And then they expected Finney Smith to essentially guard the guy on post-ups from about eight feet in. And Brooke Lopez is not a slouch. I, I still remember his NCAA tournament run with Stanford. Like, the guy is good. And it was just kind of a odd decision – I, I don't know. Maybe it's probably not fair. It's like, oh, we're gonna make Brooke Lopez beat us, and he didn't. And then the Mavs won, so I guess the Mavs know what they're doing. But it's one. <laughs> it's like two straight games where like a a low volume center has put up big numbers, and they really largely expect uh, not Porzingis, but Dorian Finney Smith to be like the primary defender on these things. So just yeah, because the way they switch, it just yeah. Finney Smith gets caught in a bad spot a lot, and that's not and that stinks because it's not fault. Finney Smith's fault. Right. Uh, and then know. KP was, he was very hesitant to, to get out there. It was kind of funny. It was like Spider-Man pointing at Spider-Man meme with Lopez and Perzingis in terms of how they wanted to guard each other. Like they both were, you know, they both were pretty hesitant uh, at, at getting out to the three-point line, which, you know, that's not what KP's game is. They, his, him being at the five is supposed to allow him to stay near the rim, uh, which is where he's good. So uh, yeah, that's a tough matchup for the Mavs there to have, Someone like on the wing, like Giannis, and then having a center like Lopez, man, the Bucks are good. The Bucks are so good. This was such a great win. Yeah, and and not only that, it's the second time they've beaten the Bucks this season. Which, yep. considering some of their their win profile, the Mavericks beat the pants off of teams they should beat, and then get walloped by teams that are in the you know kind of top eight in the league. So this is really really something they should they should try to build on. Depending on there's a yeah, I think the math is is they're pretty likely to pay, play the Clippers like almost a hundred percent. But understanding that you know no matter who they play, this sort of thing is is something that you want to build towards because the Bucks are a great defense, and if they can do this to a great defense, it doesn't matter if they play the Clippers because you know one of these games they're going to have at least one game where they shoot the three ball well. It's just going to happen, right? And if that happens, they should win. So I'm feeling I'm not I'm a lot more positive than I was coming in. You know to. When the Mavericks were down at halftime, and and we had uh, we had Jake Kemp giving us crap online about how I'm a grump, and I've just seen it a lot, and it's very frustrating to to think that the Mavericks might have gone, you know, like one in seven in the bubble, and shoot, they're going to at least win two very you know f- entertaining games and be ready to head into what's next. So that's that's really nice. So so before we we you know pivot away. I, one more, you know, shout out to Dorian Finney-Smith. I, I, I said Dorian finish him Smith when he hit one of these big threes because, gosh, he hit some. I, I think back yeah. to the beginning of the year when they when they should have beat the Lakers off that terrible non-call where Seth Curry's jersey was getting held by yeah. – um, so and I, it's like Dorian hit a huge three to get into that, and they just yeah. – and he, there were at least three games that that year where Dorian's heroics got punished by bad defense by bad defense by the Mavs later on. So I'm really excited that he can kind of, you know, hoist this up on on his petard of sorts because he 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 deserves to get a big win like that. Um, the the very last guy who I think we should really talk about in specific before we get out of here is Chris Stapps Porzingis, who had a an interesting game. Uh, yep. You saw the full gambit from KP: 26 points, 11 boards, three assists. 26 points on 24 shots. He was 100% from the free throw line. He fouled a lot. He had one real cool block. 
he also had a lot of outright wasted possessions. So when he's rolling and athletic and doing things towards the basket, he is an unbelievable basketball player. When they let him do his Dirk Nowitzki impression where he thinks he can fade, I don't like it. And it's not happening this year. I don't know why they keep doing it. Yeah, it was, I think you were exactly right with the full game, but in terms of why they're doing it, I almost wonder, I mean, it's just almost like he has, like for them to reach their pinnacle, he has to be able to score on mismatches very consistently. But Yeah, I know. (laughs) But what's the distinction that I think we have to make? There is a big difference between him posting up and him facing up. Yep. He likes backing dudes down. He is seven foot three. If he just turns and shoots, he's when he's balanced, he's good. I just feel like I'm missing something with some of these, with like not like the plays, it's his decision making in the post. Yeah, and a lot of that, to be fair, happened in the fourth quarter in overtime, which is a lot of time for it to happen. The first three quarters, I thought, was some of the best like process over results Przingis has looked all all season because he wasn't getting shots to fall, but his decisiveness, his decision-making, the shot attempts he was taking, I thought was absolutely tremendous. He was cutting to the rim off Luka. Um, he was doing what you talked about. He was getting face-ups and, and turning and shooting over smaller defenders without doing too many of his fadeaways, which he's just not good at right now. Um, he was getting good looks from three. He wasn't hitting them. You know, he wasn't hitting all of his shots. I think he was like four of 11 at one point in the first half, but I was not like pissed off at any of his attempts for the most part. And I loved his movement and I loved what he was doing within the offense. And then the fourth quarter happened and it just kind of, it turned into, you know, what you said, giving him the ball, backing it down, turning around, trying to shoot a fadeaway. And, you know, he just, he's not good at that. There's the numbers are, are there. He just, it's not a good shot for him, but we've seen, like you said, when he, when he gets the ball in the post, he's, he has some good moments where he he's really good at sealing his man and getting position. And when he does that, um, what, you know, what you say, we want him to do is instead of, you know, doing a fall away jumper from there, do a hard pivot face up and shoot. And when he does that, and that's not like something we're begging him to do in terms of he doesn't do it a lot. He does it. He's been doing it a lot lately since he's moved to the five full time, just needs to be a more consistent thing because he's, he looks so much more comfortable uh, when he does that. And yeah, like you said, we kind of saw the full range. Like he, he was engaged. He was doing the right things within the offense. He just wasn't getting the results. And then the fourth quarter, he was not doing the right things he was supposed to do and not getting the results. So it was like double bad. Uh, but at least he, you know, 11 rebounds, no turnovers, which was, which was fantastic. You know, as, as bad as it is when he shoots those turnaround fades, it's, it's worse when he gets the ball poked away from him or he, or he forces, you know, he tries to force a, a terrible pass out of the post or something like that. So at least he was clean in that regard. Uh, so yeah, not, not his best game, but still the fact that not his best game, he still gets 26, 11 and three assists. Like that's, that's progress because remember early in the season, he was having these bad games with bad shots and he was getting like 15 and seven. So at least like he's getting to a point where even his bad games, he's getting some production, which is nice. I I'm really watching. There was this really dumb Bill Simmons podcast, which, you know, newsflash for a guy who watches (laughs) a lot of basketball, the man seems to like overestimate things. And he made 
and just really misread things. He made some comments about how he's unsure if Porzingis is like an ideal partner for Luca, and I couldn't disagree more. I think Luke, I, I think what we've gotten out of Porzingis this year is way more than I would have expected. Just, just way more. Knees are scary. He's enormous. Yep. I just would have expected something different. The fact that his shot has rounded out, the fact that he's, we've seen this like steady progression, progression. So right. I, I feel a little, I feel a little, you know, I sort of feel like an asshole. I mean, I don't normally feel this way because I don't really have a lot of remorse, but I feel like you... a bit of an ass for being mean to him earlier in the year for some of the things. And, you know, you and Jordan and some of the other people said, look, you know, this just might not be it. And the fact that he's come where he is to be like disappointed which we're not, but to be like, up, oh, it's a joy to be able to criticize a 26.11 rebound game. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, and I think the big thing is his buy-in Like he's bought in. He's, he's a hundred percent into what the, the, the staff wants him to do. He is bought into being not the main go-to attraction. Like he was in New York. Like that's, and that's, that's like half the battle, man. Like getting him, comfortable and, and and being feeling like you know he's contributing and and being okay with that role and the fact that like he doesn't bitch in the media you know he he gives such a good face he gives great answers and all of that might be just platitudes and, and and playing the game so to speak but it's just nice you know like that's that's a lot of it not a lot of guys can do go from being the savior of new york to uh second you know second most important player in dallas like that's that's a tough change for, for a young guy that probably thought he was going to be, you know, the next guy. Um, so that's, I give a lot of credit for the fact that even when things aren't working for him, that he seems to soldier through a little bit and he's bought in. Like, I think he's into Rick. I think he's into playing with Luca. He's into this system. He's into playing the five. Like, I, so I got to hand it to him there. That's, that's like half the battle. And he's, and he's doing that part of it. I, I agree. Well, you know, there's there's some some things we could talk about, but you know, we've been kind of rambling for a while. There's going to be a lot of writing on this game. Everybody should soak it up. I think this is one of those games where no matter what happens next, because there's three more in the bubble, and then the Mavericks are going to be you know guaranteed at least four playoff games, hopefully more. This is one of those games that you hold on to as if things go sideways, because this is what you know is what's possible when things are really working for the Mavericks. I'm going to do my best for that. I mean, I sometimes say this when, you know, we have the Mavs are blessed with a really, really positive fan base. It's, I know people yell at me about this all the time. They're right. It's just, I'm, I'm sort of negative about it, but it's, it's sometimes it's very easy with, with how sports goes, but this has been a lot of fun. I I'm really glad basketball is back. It took a, it took about three weeks for me to round into being, you know, I wanted it back, but now that it's like back, back, like, God, what else would you be doing on a Saturday night? Like, this is awesome. This is fun. Yeah. They needed this, didn't they? Like just even the, the Kings win, which was great. And like, in terms of like Luca taking over, like, man, they just, they needed this kind of like really feel good effort. Like the Kings game was still kind of like, man, we kind of, got through by the skin of our teeth against a team that we should really beat handedly. So this was just great. Like uh, this is like one of those games where just nothing to complain about really 
uh, unless you really want to look at Tim Hardaway Jr.'s stat line before you leave. But no, we we, we don't need to do that if we don't yeah. want to, right? This is great. Let's just let's just get out. <laughs> let's just go. I don't even know who they're playing next. They have a day game on Monday, which is or two. I don't know. They have a day game soon, which is weird because I don't like covering those. They're but, playing uh, the Jazz at two o'clock Central on the tenth. That is Monday. Ooh, and they've two not p.m. The Monday Jazz. game. They've no, not they beat the Jazz this year because the Jazz have been responsible for a few of our more angrier podcasts, which I know. <laughs> I know yep. those of you are like, well, that's every podcast. But, I mean, yeah. that was like the jazz losses are particularly I'm pretty annoying. sure after the last jazz loss, I wrote an article that was like, the Mavericks defense stinks, and that was the headline. So <laughs> those, those have been frustrating. But the jazz haven't really looked great in the bubble. So we'll see there. I'm excited, guys. All right, this has been uh, Kirk Henderson and Josh both, MavsMoneyBall.com. Like, subscribe, review, tell your friends, or don't. Tell us what we can do better. We like hearing from everybody who is uh, you know, a longtime listener to this podcast. We will talk to you guys uh, relatively soon, I think. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.